Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. Sunday, and you know, it was interesting. I had heard someone, uh, not here, but in another state, and they had been in church most of their life, and they didn't know or, or realize that, you know, demons were real or that demonic activity happens today. And I know if you're not used to studying the scriptures and if you haven't taken God's word, for what it is, you may think that spiritual conversation and uh, spiritual things and demonic activity might sound uh, a bit woo to you, and I get that. But I want you to know that the, there is a spiritual warfare going on. And what we see happening in the natural is just a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual. So all of the gross turmoil and confusion that's been happening in the United States in the last year and a half or so, uh, is a reflection of the enemy's schemes. And I'm not talking about being paranoid or thinking there's a demon behind every Campbell's soup can. I'm talking about being spiritually discerning, okay? We're not paranoid. We're not afraid. But we are wise in the spirit, right? We are spiritual ninjas, right? We are spiritual ninjas. We are wise in the spirit of God, and what Satan is, is desperately trying to do is to keep you from living life at 100%. Keep you from, from living your days in full strength. Full strength. Full strength. All your days. Full strength. All your days. Even under the Mosaic Covenant, Moses lived with full strength all his days. His moisture not fled. His natural strength not abated. His eyes not dim. God has provided for us in Christ full strength all our days. There are different seasons in our lives when we have more demands on us or less demands. But whatever the demand may be, we have the strength to do it in Christ. Full strength all your days. Christ has defeated every demon for you. He has. He's defeated every demon for you. He's defeated Satan himself for you. The victory that Christ obtained for you becomes a reality to you when you boldly stand on the Word of God in your circumstance. You have to enforce what Christ won for you in your own life. Come on, didn't you have to put your faith in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins? That's, that's the simple two-step recipe for salvation, right? To believe, to confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and to believe in your heart 
that God raised from the dead. Notice that both of those steps are on our part, right? God did everything he could do for us, but we have to learn of it, and then we have to speak it and believe it. Stand on it. So I'll say it again. Jesus Christ soundly whipped forever Satan and all of his cohorts. Totally defeated them. He stripped them and whipped them. They've been stripped and whipped forever. And they can't change that. The victory Christ obtained for you will become a reality to you when you boldly declare and boldly stand on the Word of God, the Word of God in the midst of your situation. Nothing may seem to be changing. Nothing may look any different. But inside of you, there is a declaration of the kingdom of God that is being released from your heart, through your mouth, into your circumstance. And your circumstances have to change. Because God's word is unchanging. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, thank you for this time together. Lord, we, we are running after you. You have opened our eyes to realize that life is all about your love for us. It's your love for us that, that, that enables life to begin. It's your love for us that changes everything. It's your love for us that provided uh, all that we could ever ask or think beyond even through your Son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit, I ask for your love to be manifest among us during this time together, in Jesus' name, your presence and glory, amen. I have the privilege of seeking the Lord, not only for my own life and for my family, but for you all, to see what he wants to minister to this highway family. And uh, I believe this is for you to Last Sunday, as I was up here and just the, the Spirit of God began calling out certain things, and I, I saw kind of a, a, a sky above us, and if you've ever watched a thunderstorm where flashes of lightning would, would be seen on the base of the clouds, and I was seeing that, and, and as I just listened on the inside, and I, I believe the Lord wanted me to encourage you and then pray for you today. Uh, you've got the victory in whatever you're facing. You ha- it's, you, you're not trying to get it. You're not going to someday obtain it. It's yours now. It's yours now. It's yours now. It's yours now. You can know what belongs to you by looking at the ministry of Christ in your hard copy Bible, Right? Everything that Jesus ministered to people, he purchased for you through his resurrection. Okay? So we see, uh, this is so good. Let me just turn to one of the many sections in here. It, It is so profitable to simply read the scriptures and to meditate in them until what's on the page becomes a living reality in your soul. Uh, I, I mean, I've got, uh, I just keep going through the Gospels here. I'm in Matthew, uh, where am I in? Matthew 14, 15. In Matthew 15, and I'm just going to read you some things. And uh, 
Oh, hallelujah. Matthew 15, I'll start in verse 21. And again, this, this is, I have some prepared things, but we're just flowing here. Uh, we flow even when we're prepared. It doesn't matter. We're just going to, we still flow. Verse 21 of Matthew 15, it says, Jesus went thence and departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. Now, we're reading truth in the flesh, right? This isn't a religious doctrine. It's not a religious tradition. Jesus is God in the flesh. We're seeing the will of God in action. My whole life changed when I realized that Jesus is the will of God. That ended all arguments for me. Now that I knew it, if there was a, a religious group that told me it wasn't God's will to heal, I knew they had made a mistake. Because I see very clearly in the person and ministry of Christ, it is clearly the will of God to make you whole. See, when you, when you exalt Jesus to the place where he is your truth, that what he says trumps everybody else, and then you can start experiencing the fullness of his plan for your life. So behold, a woman of Canaan comes out of the, uh, of the same coast and, and cries unto him, saying, Have mercy, on, on, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. And he answers, there's not a, not a word. Now, she was not of the nation of Israel. She was not a Hebrew. She had no covenant with God. She had no Levitical right for what she was asking. She had no uh, basis for what she was asking other than the goodness of God. When that becomes your foundation for everything you do, then you will begin to experience the abundant life consistently. Hallelujah. Disciples, they came beside her and said, Lord, get rid of her. She's annoying us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. She's, she's coming to him on behalf of her daughter, right, who's tormented. He answers and said, it is not proper to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. She said, truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Jesus answered and said unto a woman, Great is your faith. What is faith? Confidence in who God is. Confidence in the goodness of God. I am sure and certain. See, there are a lot of things that will tell you you can't have what you're asking of God. But I am so thankful for this woman. And the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, they didn't listen to religious doctrine. They didn't listen to tradition and their ancestors. They looked at God himself and they realized he was good. And they rose above every obstacle simply by believing that he is good. It's not proper to take the children's bread and cast it out. Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. This is God in the flesh. And he answers, he says, Woman, great is your faith. Be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great multitudes, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people came unto him, having with them those that were lame. Could have been for any number of reasons. Could they, their, their limbs may have been deformed or twisted. We don't know. They couldn't move, couldn't walk like God willed for them to walk. 
They were blind. They couldn't see. They were dumb. They couldn't speak. They were maimed. That means they were missing limbs or body parts. And many others and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he said, oh no, what am I going to do? Oh, never mind. He didn't say that. What did he do? He healed them. For as much, we go to the next verse, verse 31, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak. Those who could not speak were singing. The maimed to be whole. I like to envision that inside. Because we have the same spirit in us. So wherever I'm out and about, I'm just listening. We're not going to try and do something apart from the spirit of God. But we're just, we're ready. If the opportunity presents itself, we're ready. The maimed to be whole. So I like to envision uh, if there was someone missing a body part, I envision that just coming right back. Missing an arm and just coming right back. That's the Spirit of God. The same Spirit's in you. The same Spirit. The maimed to be whole. The lame to walk. And the blind to see. And I had my grandma on my mom's side ever since I can remember. She was severely bent over with arthritis and osteoporosis. And she walked like this as far as I can remember. And uh, had a number of issues wrong with her. And, um, you know, and I left home at 18 years old. But I, I came to know Christ a year or so later. And at some point in time, I came back. And I wanted to minister healing to my grandma. And boy, her, her husband was loudly atheistic, and he was just a very loud, demonstrative, feisty fella. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, my family was staunchly against it. I was hoping for just an opportunity where I could get alone with her and talk to her about the healing power of Jesus Christ. And I had an opportunity with her, and uh, this was not long before she had passed, and she was sitting in her chair in the living room, and I was sitting there on the couch, and I began ministering to her, and I just felt the presence of God in that room, and I felt like she was just going to lift right up out of that chair. But just the idea of it was just wasn't on her radar. Right, right, right. It just wasn't, you know, like, and that's okay, you know. And she went on to glory and didn't experience the healing that belonged to her. But we want healing to be on people's radar. That's why we proclaim it. If you don't know it belongs to you, how are you going to receive it? There are no limits to what God can do in a person's life. doesn't matter how far gone they look in the natural. We watched a movie, uh, Awakenings, I think it's called. The Awakenings, Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. I don't know if you've seen that movie. I don't even remember when it's from. I guess it was based on a true story, but in, in, in this critical hospital in uh, Brooklyn? I don't remember. It was in, or Bronx, somewhere in New York, one of the boroughs of New York City. Uh, they, had the, uh, they hired this physician who was Robin Williams. It's supposed to be based on a true story, and he had these chronic patients, and he discovered it looked like they couldn't, they couldn't respond. They, couldn't, uh, they weren't hearing what you were saying, but the truth is they were hearing. And he saw one lady, he, he, he dropped her, uh, her glasses in front of her, and she reached out her hand and grabbed it. And he was like, what just happened? 
Anyway, they ended up uh, finding a drug that they administered to one of the patients, and he came out of his, the state that he was in. And he came out for about three, I don't know, maybe a month or so, and then uh, went back into it. But the point was that these people who looked like they couldn't hear or, or tell what was going on were hearing what was going on, and they felt trapped inside. You see, Jesus sees through the exterior. He speaks to the spirit of a person. And he knows that wholeness has been provided for them. And that wholeness is in you now. In fact, Jennifer, we were talking the other day, and we were trying to remember what message it was. It might have been Bill Winston or someone. I've heard several ministers preach along these lines where they would have visions of body parts in heaven that belong to people that had people's names on them, but people never claimed them. Just vast warehouses of the parts that people needed to be whole, but they never claimed them. This is the gospel we preach. It is a gospel of wholeness. There are many who would never say the things I'm saying, but I'm saying them because it's true. It is a gospel of wholeness. And it really doesn't matter what your current condition is. Wholeness belongs to you. Even if you've had procedures done, you've had things uh, implanted in your body or, or put in your body, that can all change by simply realizing what Christ did for you. This is the gospel we preach. Let me read verses 30 and 31 again. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others. Don't read the Bible too fast. Picture that. See these thousands of people, lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to be whole, the lame to walk, and the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we are in Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 12, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. Now, we don't go out and try and make these things happen. Right? Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. He didn't go looking for people to heal. Most of the time, they were brought to him. Very important, because they were exercising the initiative. Either their friends brought them to him. So it's not, if you just walk up to someone and you're not led by the Spirit of God and try and minister healing, you might be surprised. They don't even know what you're talking about, and their heart's in no place to even receive it. You've got to be led by the Spirit. Now, if the Holy Spirit truly leads you to someone, right, then, then, then that can certainly take place, and he'll, he'll do that in your life. But the key here is to, is to realize who we are in Christ, realize in the midst of this spiritual warfare that's taking place, healing belongs to, to you and to anyone you meet through the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I'm not trying to force anything, but I like to keep myself ready. 
when I'm out meeting with people or going down doing my different things, I'm just listening on the inside. And I'm worshiping God and just ready, ready for whatever the Lord would lead me to do. If he doesn't lead me, I don't do anything. Okay? This is being led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit knows where someone's at. We don't. Right? You might look at someone that looks like they need help, but their heart's not ready. Then again, you might look at someone that looks like they don't need help, but they do. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God, not by your own uh, senses and your own reasoning, right? Now, Jesus, we were talking about being spiritual ninjas last week, and uh, Jesus would be the master ninja, right? He'd be our sensei. Right? When I was a, a young man, I think it was during high school, I, I, I was in and out of different martial arts schools, but one of the schools I was in, the master of the school was Fumio Demra, who was from Okinawa, and he played Miyagi's double in a karate kid back in the 80s, which was really cool. And uh, so he would come. He lived in Okinawa, but he had schools, I believe, in multiple countries, at least the United States and Japan. And he would come once a year to our school in western Pennsylvania. That was a big deal when the master came. Everyone wanted to see the master. Jesus is the master. And he's in our dojo. He's in you. And the master is here. And it's a big deal when the master is here. There's great respect for the master. Because the master knows what he's doing. The master has mastered Spiritual warfare. And we want to look at the master this morning, and then I'm going to pray for you. We want to look at how the master deals with Satan, how the master deals with spiritual warfare. And we do what our master does. We deal with the devil the way our master deals with him. It's not strange. It's not weird. It is masterful, and it is perfect, and it will set you free. Let's go to Matthew Uh, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. You didn't know that you came into a dojo this morning, did you? Church is a place of equipping you so that you can be about the business of God in your life, right? It's a gym. It's a dojo. It's a fine restaurant. It's a health food store. It's a library. It's a research center. Verse 16 of Matthew 3, it says, Jesus, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, right, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, And lo, a voice from heaven. Whose voice was that? God the Father. A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son. That's intimacy, right? This is my beloved. I love my Son. This is the Son whom I love. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. That is the father affirming his son. You got that? That is the father affirming Jesus in the flesh, his true identity. 
the Son of God. Right? God wants to affirm your true identity as his son and his daughter. That is essential if you're going to whip the devil in your life, is that you know your true identity as a son of God. Not a churchgoer, not someone who's been forgiven, but a son of God, someone who is born of the seed of God. Someone who is the offspring of God's spirit, the very spirit that raised Christ from the dead. You must know this if you're going to step on the devil and keep him under your feet. First key in spiritual warfare is your identity as a son. Now in chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had uh, fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, who's the tempter? Does God tempt us? He can't. He can't do it. Who tells us that in the New Testament epistles? Where is that written? He cannot be tempted by evil. He doesn't tempt anyone. Anyone know what book that's in? James, good for you. Yeah, it's good to know the scriptures. So if someone tells you God's tempting you, he can't do that. He can't do it. It's not in his nature. He has no evil. He doesn't do things like that. So Satan, the evil one, Beelzebub, Lord of the flies comes to him, right? And he said, look at the first thing he attacks in Jesus. If you are the son of God, what's he attacking? His identity as a son of God. That's the first thing he'll attack in your life is your identity in Christ. And he'll do it through condemnation. He'll try and condemn you because of the mistakes you've made. He'll play those over and over again. See, if you sit down in Satan's movie theater, he's got a full length your film of all your mistakes. And he's, it's just on autoplay. He'll just keep looping, you know. That's what he's trying to, why is he trying to do it? Because he's trying to condemn you so that you can't boldly stand up and take your place as a son and daughter of God. The very first thing that Satan said to the son of God, his father just said, you're my son, this is my beloved son. Satan comes out and said, well, if you're the son of God, command these stones be made bread. Now watch how our sensei, Watch how the master of our dojo responds. The master answers and says, it is written. Wow. This is Jesus himself. He didn't do like a a backflip, twist, roundhouse kick, right? He didn't get out a pair of nunchucks or some, some throwing stars or an automatic weapon. He's facing Satan himself. Satan appeared to him. He's coming directly against him. This wasn't a dream. This was Satan himself coming against our master. How did he respond? It is written? That's kind of boring, isn't it? If you don't understand the power in the word of God, you might think so. Nothing is more dynamic or more powerful than knowing what God has spoken is so in your life. 
God went to great lengths and great expense to see to it that you could have a written copy of what he said in your possession. There are some countries they can't have this. Some, even if they're found with a copy of a Bible on their phone, could be executed. I hope you have a hard copy Bobby, Bobby, Bible, Bible. I hope you have a hard copy Bible. Jesus knew that the most powerful weapon any human being could ever use would be the written Word of God. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. In other words, Satan, you're trying to tell me something, but I know what God has said. In fact, it's written, that means you lose. Then the devil, taking him up into the holy city, uh, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, so he sees that the one he's after knows the word of God, right? He sees that Jesus knows the scriptures. So look, look how clever he is. So the next thing he says, if you be the son of God, he's still coming against his identity. Cast yourself down. This is Satan talking in verse seven, 6. It's Satan talking. Look what he says. For it is written. What's Satan doing now? Using the scriptures. That's very clever, isn't it? He'll do that in your life. You're believing God for something, they'll say, yeah, what about this scripture? What about that scripture? What about that scripture? Right? You've got to be a ninja in the word of God. You've got to know how to discern what is something in context or out of context. Remember, there's a natural context of the scriptures. There's a prophetic context. There's a spiritual context. You've got to be a a student of the word to rightly divide and know who Christ is in the scriptures. We're equipping you so you don't have to listen to that liar anymore. For it is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you. Is that written in the Bible? Of course it is. You know, Satan knows the word. He's been studying it a lot longer than you have. Hallelujah. But his motives are twisted. He's evil. So he doesn't know how to use it, right? He's using the very thing that defeated him. Isn't that something? Because he wants you to be defeated. In their hands so they bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus responds again. It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord of God. In other words, you're taking that scripture out of context. You brought me up to this holy temple mount. You're telling me to jump. This is not God the Father leading me. This is not God protecting me in a situation. This is you trying to get me to obey you. I see through your schemes, and it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. See, the, the question wasn't, is, did, did that, is that Scripture in the Bible? The question is, who, who is saying it to you, and what's their motive? And you've got to ask yourself that when you're listening to someone preach or, or someone sharing a Scripture with you. Who are they, and what's their motive? Because there are believers who will try and talk you out of what you're believing God for. Because they haven't experienced it in their life. And if they haven't experienced it, well, they think you shouldn't experience it. They think no one should experience it because they haven't experienced it. 
I don't want to limit anybody by my personal experience. We don't base what we believe about God on what we've been through. We base what we believe about God on who Jesus is, on the person and ministry of Christ, on the written word of God. Jesus said it's written, and then you go on, uh, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Can't even imagine what this must have been like. And the glory. He's showing him all the wealth of the world. And Jesus, uh, excuse me, and says unto him, verse 9, all things will I give, give thee, all these things will I give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said unto him, let's see, yep, Jesus said unto him, get the hence. Go, Satan. That's right. What's his response again? Why should Satan go? For it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. The devil left him, but look, he did leave. He had to. And behold, angels, oh, it doesn't say it here. Okay, that's another, another uh, point in the scriptures. It came and ministered to him and said the devil looked for a more opportune time. So I want you to understand in spiritual warfare, the devil has to flee. But that doesn't mean he's never going to bother you again. Jesus said, in fact, that if a, a spirit is cast out of someone, if they don't get filled with the Spirit of God, then that same spirit's going to come back and check to see how they're doing. And if he finds them empty, he's going to get some more spirits to come with him and trouble them again. You see, this is not a one-and-done kind of thing. This is a relationship with the one who made us. We're filled with the Spirit of God, and we realize that Satan is our foe. And we're not ignorant of his schemes. And we know that he's working to tear apart America. He hates all people, right? He's working to cause divisions between people of different cultures different nations, different skin colors, different social statuses. That's all the Satan's, that's all his scheme, right? He's working to cause confusion and, and hatred and anger and fear and anxiety, but we're not ignorant of his schemes. We are spiritual ninjas. We, just like our master, anytime Satan shows up, we simply declare what is written in the Word of God. And we can declare it with confidence because we spend time meditating in it. Okay. Right? How do we come to church? See, this is so important, and I'll say it regularly. So if I were you coming to church, I'd be preparing myself all week. I'd be worshiping God all week. I'd, I'd set a time aside each day just to be alone with Him and worship Him and to pray in the Spirit. Pray in other tongues. Let the gifts of the Spirit flow through you. And then I'd be meditating in his word. And I'd be preparing myself just to, obviously, just to know him, but also realize that I'm coming into a dojo. I'm coming into a fine restaurant. I'm coming into a research center. I'm coming into a gym to be equipped, to be ministered to, to receive the things I need to take my stand and to move forward in the things God has for me. So you, if you really want to participate in what we're doing here, you have got to prepare your heart. And you've got to keep your heart from offense. Don't, don't allow yourself to get offended at anybody. Don't allow yourself to, to be afraid or to get into uh, criticism or any of the devil's uh, tools. 
Keep your heart full of joy. Rejoice in Him all week long. And then I would come in and I'd be ready. I wouldn't be looking at, you know, what the worship team's wearing or, or the lights or, or you know, the, the, the pastor's shoes or any of those things. I'd be zeroed in on the Spirit of God. And as we're worshiping, I'd be worshiping the Holy Spirit, listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. I'd be exalting Jesus Christ there, standing in front of my chair. And I'd be, I'd be jumping up and down. I might run around. I might just shout and holler. I'd just be blessing His name and worshiping Him. And as the, as the worship time moves into the offering, I'd already come prepared, right? Because uh, I'm worshiping God with my money. I've already been through the numbers during the week, right? I already know what I'm going to be blessing the Lord with and I'd worship him with my money. But this is, a, this, is a, this is a participation thing, and I would be ready. I'd be ready for the Lord to move in my finances for the next week, for this upcoming, for Monday, right? I'm ready for the Lord to move on Monday in our financial life. See, this is an active thing. There aren't any spectators here. We're participants in this. And then I'd be ready to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to me through the leader. That doesn't mean everything a pastor says is right or, you know, we all have our own personalities, our own quirks. But I'm listening for the Spirit of God when they speak. Yeah. Because I, I'm, I'm, I've come ready to eat. I've come ready to receive. And I'm not going to look at the pastor and think, I'm focused on the Spirit of God. I'm focused on the Spirit of God. Now, the music team up here, we have Graphic Tea Sunday. So, Jennifer and Dana got me my Graphic Tea, so. But it's got the Mandalorian on it. And it's interesting. Uh, it's a fictional story, part of the Star Wars saga. But there's this special breed of people that are thought to be the greatest warriors in the galaxy, the Mandalorians. And there is something about them that sets them apart from everything else and from everyone else. And does anyone know what it is? It's their armor. It's what they wear. It's their armor. And their armor is special. It can't be penetrated. It is impervious to harm. And it has special weapons and, and cool little gadgets that all these little things that they can use but Paul exhorts us to wear the armor of God and I want to show you what your greatest weapon is in the arsenal God has given you go to Psalm 91.4 Psalm 91.4 so the Mandalorians are known by their armor. They're known by their armor. In fact, in the story, if you've ever seen it, as soon as one, someone walks in with the armor on, oh, that's a Mandalorian. And immediately people know you don't mess with them. That's you in the spirit wherever you go. As soon as you enter your workplace, Satan's no, don't mess. Demons no, uh-uh, uh-uh. They're a disciple of Christ. They've got their armor on. Psalm 91.4 says this. He, this is God. See, it's all about God being your strength. It's not about you being 
uh, uh, stronger than the devil. It's about God being your strength. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. Now, is God a bird? That's a figure of speech, right? We're creating a picture here. Have you ever seen a hen cover her chicks? It's just an image, talking about intimacy, talking about a God protecting you like a, like a mother hen would protect her chicks. Didn't Jesus say that? Oh, uh, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks under her wing. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under the wing you shall find refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. I want to show this to you in the New Living Translation. Can we put that up there? Hallelujah. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Can we all say that together? His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Let's say it again. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. What is your armor and protection? His faithful promises are your What's your armor and protection? His faithful promises are your Now, every promise that God has made has been made yes to you because of Jesus. Do you know that in the Scriptures? Where's that, where's that verse at? Anybody know? 2 Corinthians 1, right? Verse 20 says, no matter how many promises God has made, right? they are yes. They're yes to us in Christ, and the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So what does this mean? That His faithful promises are... So the promises, now every promise God has made according to 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20, is yes to you. I mean, that, that, that makes winning the lottery look like, uh, I don't know, someone giving you a piece of gum. <laughs> Every promise God has made is yes to you. That's an armor the devil can't beat. How does our armor become effective when you know that his promises are your provision today? They're not promises anymore. When Christ rose from the dead, they became our provision. But you have to know your provision. It wouldn't do me any good if I had $10 million in the bank, but I didn't know it was there. You've got much more than that in Christ. So you understand this is a, a ledger. This is an account ledger right here. And I read through this to find out what belongs to me. To find out what's in my account so I can access it. When I read Psalm 91, that's not a, a, a nice thing to say to kind of encourage me a little bit. That's my present day reality. I live in the shelter of the Most High. I abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He is my refuge and my fortress. He is my bulwark and my high tower. He has commanded His angels concerning me to guard me in all my ways lest I dash my foot against the stone. I tread upon the lion and the cobra. I crush fierce lions and serpents under my feet because I am a son of God. 
And Satan knows if your armor's turned on or not. See, when God looks at you, he sees you as a son. You're clean, you're, you're brand new, you're righteous, you're holy, as holy as Jesus is holy, because he made you his righteousness. But he wants you to see yourself that way. And Satan knows the same thing. But he doesn't want you to see yourself that way. Right? So God, who's for, you, who's for you, wants to see yourself as his very own child, righteous, clean, as strong as Jesus. But Satan doesn't want you to see that. But how do I begin seeing that? By meditating on who I am in the Scriptures. And every promise I come across is uh, part of my DNA now. It's who I am. My God shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. That's who I am now. I'm the God supplied for one. I'm the God supplied for one. He bore my sicknesses and carried my diseases. By his stripes I've been healed. That's who I am. I'm the healed of God. Uh, it's already settled, devil. It's already settled. Already settled, body. You're already healed. This isn't something we're going to analyze and, and talk about. It's already settled. I have been healed. Jesus already did it. Nope, I'm already forgiven. It's already settled. I'm already forgiven. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, no anxiety and fear. No, I, I refuse to listen to you. I'm trusting in the Lord. He's directing my steps. He's providing for me. And I'm rejoicing in Him. And He's guarding my mind. I'm just speaking promises of God. You see, when I learned of this decades ago, I just began immersing myself in my armor. Not because I wanted to be a, a goody two-shoe or earn something, because I wanted to uh, know who I am and I wanted to be able to stand strong and be impervious to the enemy's attacks. It's time to put your armor on. Time to put your armor on. Whatever issue, when we're praying here shortly, whatever issue or issues have been plaguing you these last 18 months, you should have a good two or three or more scriptures on fire inside of you that you are just spitting out of your mouth all day long, that you're worshiping God and declaring all day long. You see, that's how we, that's how we uh, walk in the victory Christ gave. We get in the, the, the uh, ledger of our account. We see what belongs to us. Then we believe it in our heart and we speak it with our mouth even in the face of great opposition. And we can't lose. We can't lose. The only way you can lose is if you let the devil talk you out of it. But you're not going to let him do that, right? Because you know what God said is so. And God is for you. If God's for you, who can be against you? Is that in the Bible? Yeah, where's that? Well, you can see it in Romans 8. Can you see a lot of places in the Bible? Right? The Lord is your light. The Lord is your salvation. Is that in the Bible? Am I just making up nice things to say that, that, I, that I found on a greeting card somewhere? No, it is written in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light. The Lord is my salvation. I shall not fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is who you are. You're strong. You're full of light and life. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're the healed of God. Sickness has no power over you. Sickness has no power over you. 
But what about these symptoms? You tell them what God has said. You take authority over those symptoms and you tell your body and you tell your mind how healthy and strong they are. You have to open your mouth. No one else can do that for you. Don't be silent in the face of a satanic strategy. Don't silently watch as Satan is trying to work something in your life. Open your mouth and take authority over that and declare that it is written. It is written. It is written. Hallelujah. Glory to God. My goodness. There's so much here. Let's go to Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Jesus ordained 12 or appointed 12. This is when he picked his first 12 apostles. What was the primary reason that he picked them? What's it say? That they should be with him. Relationship. Did you know that? It was the number one reason why he chose them. He wanted a relationship with them. It's the number one reason he chose you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to be with him. He wants to be with you. In every moment of the day, he wants you to grow more intimate with him. That's what being a disciple is all about, is relationship with the master, right? That they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out devils. What's the first part of that? Being with him. Being with him. Satan will know if you've been with him. You handle things differently when you're with him. When you cultivate a personal relationship with Jesus, you don't respond to things the way you would if you had not cultivated a personal relationship with Jesus, right? Now, let's do this and then we'll pray. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. We'll start in verse 10. Let's see. Ah, let me see if I can get this. Called him in synonym. Well, let me paraphrase a scripture before we read Luke 13, 10. So I want you to see what Jesus is doing here. Uh, we're going to go to Mark 3, and I'm just going to kind of paraphrase verses 20 through 27. But Jesus, uh, a multitude has come together, uh, so, so much so that the disciples and Jesus didn't even have time to eat. They couldn't even go through the drive through at Taco Bell because there's so many people that one administered to. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold of Jesus. So here's this multitude of people. Jesus is ministering to them. His friends hear about it in, in Mark 3, 21, and they say he's beside himself. They thought he was crazy. And people will, some people will think you're crazy for following Jesus. We talk about spirits. We talk about uh, demons. We talk about resurrection life. We raise the dead. We heal the sick. We cast out devils. We speak in new tongues. It's not crazy. It's, it's just a spiritual reality that many are ignorant of. Hallelujah. 
So they call. They say uh, he's beside himself. Verse 22, uh, the scribes come down to Jerusalem and they say, Jesus is doing what he's doing by the power of Satan. They're trying to explain away his miracles and the healings and the deliverances he's done. And, they, and, uh, and Jesus calls unto them in verse 23, he's, and he says uh, to them, how can Satan cast out Satan? Good point. I love when the master speaks. And if a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand, but he hath an end. Look at verse 27. No man can enter into a strong man's house. He's talking about the Son of Man coming into the earth. Satan is the God of this world. The earth would be the strong man's house. Jesus entered into the strong man's house, and he was spoiling the strong man's goods. A strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he will first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house. You see, every healing that Jesus ministered, he was taking back what the devil sold. He was spoiling the thief's treasury. A thief takes things that don't belong to them and they put them in a place, they hide it. And that's what Jesus is doing. He's coming into the thief's hideaway and he's taking back what doesn't belong to him. If there's a sickness trying to attach itself into your life, it is a thief. It does not belong to you. But you've got to stand up and say no to it for it is written himself took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and by his stripes I'm healed if there are things plaguing your mind and you've been diagnosed with things and, and they told you you're this and you're a that and they've labeled you you've got to know no it is written the, uh, God has not given me this spirit of fear but of power and of love and a sound mind I'm not a such and such a sound mind means that everything is sound in my mind and my brain my brain, everything's balanced and working as it should work. All the chemicals, all the cells and tissues, all the nerve centers, everything's firing like it should fire. Sound mind. But you've got to know that that's written because a sound mind has already been provided for you. It's got your name on it, but you won't experience it until you realize it belongs to you and you stand up and take it by opening your mouth and declaring it's yours. Now let's look at Jesus plundering the goods and we'll, we'll pray. So Jesus in Luke chapter 13 verse 10, he's teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, that's the day of rest. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God brings rest to you. It's a day of rest. And he's preaching and teaching because the teaching of the Word of God brings rest. Verse 11, Behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years now, if you, if you study the Scriptures, and I haven't got into this aspect of the Scriptures a lot, but there are symbolism is used with numbers. 
So you have one is the number of unity, and two is the number of agreement, and three is the number of the resurrection, and four is the number of the earth. You have north, south, east, and west. You got five is the number of grace, and you got six being the number of man uh, or, or the fallen nature, and you've got six, six, six being the number or the spirit for the Antichrist. What is 18 divided by three? Six plus six plus six. She was bound for 18 years. This is the devil. He's the one who binds. Jesus is revealing that to us. This is a spirit of infirmity and was bowed together, just like my grandma. Bowed together and could no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from your infirmity. What's he doing? Plundering the strong man's house. He's taking back what the thief stole. He's plundering the thief's treasury, right? He's plundering the thief's stolen goods. Hallelujah. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. The religious experts are mad at him. Because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. Jesus said to him in verse 15, you hypocrite. Jesus is feisty. You know, you see him in the movies, he walks around like this. With this kind of out in the universe look in his eyes and never raises his voice. That wasn't the real Jesus. There are times he rebuked him. He said, you den of vipers. Whitewashed tombs. He was fiery and passionate. He said, you hypocrites, did not each of you on the Sabbath loose his ox and his ass from the stall and lead them away to watering? Verse 16, and not not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. This is who Jesus is. This is what he does. And we're his disciples. And I, I feel the Lord wanted me, and Jennifer, you come up to, uh, to pray for you. Anyone who, who would like to have prayer. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of his goodness, who he is, what he's done for you, and who you are in him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life he came to give you.